Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Solvable. I'm Ronald Young Jr., they're calling me the N-word because they want me to feel bad. And I'm not going to give them that that opportunity. And so I, I try to think about the why, which then allows me to separate the offensive comment from feeling offended. In the summer of 2020, while in the throes of the global pandemic, many Americans found themselves wrestling with another virus of sorts, racism. I would say to Black people that I don't expect anyone else to free us that we freed ourselves during the Civil War and we're going to have to free ourselves, you know, from racism too. But on the other hand, I do not think it is all on us. With the killing of George Floyd, the killing of Ahmaud Arbery, and the killing of Breonna Taylor, the phrase Black Lives Matter suddenly became mainstream. The stark nature of inequity and injustice became apparent for many who had tried to ignore it for so long. Even for people accustomed to doing the work of anti-racism, and especially for Black folks doing that work, the mainstreaming of the movement has been both energizing and emotionally exhausting. We may need to take breaks, and that's okay. People should listen to their to their bodies and to their feelings. And, you know, knowing that three months from then or a year from then or in a different type of way that that, that baton, you know, is going to be picked up. Dr. Ibram X. Kendi is a professor, scholar, writer, and most recently, the host of the Pushkin podcast, Be Anti-Racist. When it comes to teaching anti-racism to all, he has had to become a kind of endurance athlete. And we do all need to be a part of the solution. The demands of fighting racism are solvable. How are you settling into your new role as a Pushkin podcast host? Was Is this your first podcast, by the way, that you've hosted? Yes. Okay, so how are you settling into your new role? I feel like I'm settling in. I mean, podcasting, obviously, is it's something quite different than anything 
you know, I've ever done. And so it's it's a learning curve and uh, hopefully everyone's bearing with me. Hey, I think you're doing a great job. Be Anti-Racist uh, is the name of your show. I know that you didn't always imagine yourself doing the work that you do today. Tell us a little bit about what you would have wanted to do if not working in anti-racism. I grew up a, a huge New York Knicks fan and played basketball. And so, I mean, I would have loved to be the next John Starks and, <laughs> you know, or, or Alan Houston. I, uh, of course, uh, uh, that didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I actually, even though, even initially was thinking about being a, and actually interned to be a, a sports reporter. Um, nice. But I think the more I wrote about sports, the more I became interested in writing about race and race in sport. And ultimately I dropped the sport, but I do sometimes, of course, write about sports. Understandable. I deal with race every day, being Black. I deal with it all the time, but I'm not necessarily an expert. After the killing of George Floyd, there was a lot of opportunities for me to talk to white folks about race, whether they were showing up in my inbox asking me questions or apologizing for uh, for white privilege and all of those. I started an anti-racist book club, going through the books that we're reading. Of course, one of them was yours, How to Be Anti-Racist. Going through those conversations for me, uh, I did it for a while. We did it for about six months or so, and then I got tired of doing it. I couldn't do it anymore. I'm like, this is this is too much. I'm like, I, I don't want to talk about race anymore. I don't want to have to explain this uh, to white folks, especially. I just didn't want to do it anymore. So I'm wondering for somebody like you who does this 24-7 all the time, did you find that maybe in the last year that this particular work has been more demanding and more taxing than usual, especially with everyone asking so many questions? So I think it has certainly been more demanding on my time. So it's just been harder to to navigate it, you know, than, than before the combination of that with uh, trying to be responsive to the growing number of people who are becoming aware that there's a racism problem and who are trying to sort of understand it. And then even recently trying to be responsive to the all-out effort to close those eyes <laughs> that had been sort of opened a year ago. At the same time, I also recognize that, you know, I'm a scholar of race and racism. And so this is in a way sort of, you know, what I do. And and I, I try to find solace uh, and, and I try to ensure that I'm physically and emotionally capable to to do this work, just like there, there are other professionals who who have to sort of think about that too, whether, you know, a cancer doctor who day in and day out they deal with with cancer and I you know as somebody who has battled cancer you know I know how hard it is for our caretakers to to really fight this uh just brutal disease and and just like it's hard for people who are fighting the disease of racism in the months after uh George Floyd was killed I noticed that there was a trend amongst, especially amongst white folks and corporations to not only support Black Lives Matter, but we saw some forms of racial reckonings and racial reconciliations across some organizations. And the fervor has kind of died down a little bit. I imagine you had a feeling as you saw it rise. Um, what's it like to also see it fall? What it's like has just been the just a bitter and brutal, really, backlash uh, and so I, I, I don't think we should just imagine it sort of happened by happenstance. And and so within, for instance, days of George Floyd's murder and people demonstrating against that murder, you, you had 
the president of the United States, you know, calling them thugs, or you had him saying that, you know, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And and by the summer, efforts to hold people accountable suddenly became cancel culture, which was horrible. And then those, there were simultaneous and growing attacks on the 1619 Project, attacks on the teaching of the history of slavery or even about racism in schools. And of course, that's the the attacks that we're facing today. And, and it's it's just been, it's been brutal to see because in, in most of these cases, those who were attacking, whether it was Black Lives Matter demonstrators or 1619 Project or, or anti-racism or even now critical race theory, were defining it in a way or describing it in a way that was not truthful and then attacking their own definitions and defining it in a way that would anger people <laughs> Mm-hmm. And 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 cause resentment when that's actually in many cases not what people were doing or saying. Do you feel like this makes your job harder, or does this feel like kind of just another day at the office? I th- I'd say it's both. On the one hand, it certainly makes my my job harder. When other people have framed me in a particular way that's false, they're they're coming with a particular perspective. They're coming to hear the research or the evidence or or, or the logic when approaching people who have a who have not read my work that just makes it harder to have those conversations but on the other way and it's another day at the office because this is what happened prior to George Floyd's murder this is what's happening over the course you know of history i mean Martin Luther King was consistently during his lifetime called an extremist called an outside agitator, uh, abolitionist. It was imagined we're being divisive. I mean, this is what happens to people who are trying to create justice and equity. In terms of your headspace, if you could talk a little bit more about how you manage the actual fight in your head when it comes to having to talk about what racism is, explaining to folks, and how that is taxing on you, as a fellow Black person, how that's taxing on you to actually have to g- give those answers and do that work. My work isn't necessarily directed specifically towards towards white people. I, I've encouraged even people of color to be anti-racist. And, and it, it is a different type of conversation with different communities, which I think if I was just having the same conversation with the same community, I think it would be much more taxing. I would also add that I try to separate statements about me or about Black people that are offensive from feeling offended. Mm. And so it's 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 rare that just because somebody sort of calls me an idiot or calls me the N-word or threatens me in a particular way or describes Black people in a t- particular way that I personally would feel bad because of that. And so I tried to make that separation. I think that's helped me. How, how do you make that separation? Because you just, you might've said a key there that I don't, I don't even know I can do that. Because if somebody calls me an idiot or says something about Black people, I'm automatically offended. What it is, is I, I try to see what they're saying as a reflection, first and foremost, of of, of what is wrong with them. And then I mm. try to think about why are they doing that? So why is it that someone is tweeting at me a personal attack as opposed to engaging with my specific ideas? 
And and I know that, you know, it's it's a way to discredit me because they don't want to engage with my ideas. Right. Yeah. Or, or why is someone, you know, calling me the N word? They're calling me the N word because they want me to feel bad and I'm not going to give them that opportunity. And and, and so I, I try to think about the why, which then allows me to separate the offensive comment from feeling offended. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. In my book, David and Goliath, I tried to figure out how some people find the strength to take on the established way of thinking and turn it upside down. What does it take to be a disruptor? And I concluded that a disruptor is someone with a rare combination of three traits. First, you have to be open. You have to be willing to see and do things in new ways. Secondly, you have to be conscientious, to follow through and make things happen. Those two are obvious. But the third one is the crucial one. You have to be willing to do what you think is right, even when everyone around you thinks you're an idiot. There isn't a brilliant innovator in history who wasn't surrounded by naysayers. Most of us can't take that kind of criticism and we fold. But the disruptor doesn't. They soldier on. I've been looking at disruptors and their success stories a lot lately, partly because I'm working on a follow-up to the tipping point. The market disruption plays a key role in how ideas take off but also because I'm going to be the keynote speaker at this year's Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business. It's an event where customers are recognized for kicking convention to the curb to elevate their company, while also doing meaningful things for their community and even the world. In fact, I'll be presenting the first ever Tipping Point designation, a new special distinction honoring one entrant that sparked transformative change for their organization this event sounds like your thing, I encourage you to find out more or even enter the unconventional awards to be recognized for your disruptive thinking. Win a donation to a charity of your choice and much more. You can enter before July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. 
That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Can you tell me a day that you felt like the work that you're doing is paying off? I think there's a lot of teachers that have stories like this where they just feel like um, they've been working with their students and all of a sudden you see them get it. You know, you see something happen. You're just like, this is what teaching's all about. Do you have a moment like that, especially in a work where sometimes it could be a little amorphous um, or nebulous to actually see like the clear fruits of your labor? I remember last June and I don't remember the day when I came across a poll that showed that I think it was 76% of Americans had told the pollsters that systemic racism exists and it's a huge problem. It was the highest recorded percentage of Americans, you know, ever recorded. I just remember almost being simultaneously in disbelief and hopeful that this clear governing majority could could take this nation to a place of, of justice that we can sort of transform that awareness into action. What do you do when you're uh, done for the day, when you don't have any more interviews, when you don't have any, any anything to write in the moment? What do you do to recharge and to renew yourself in order to get ready and energized for the fight for tomorrow? So I tried to wind down with a sangria. <laughs> I like each that. Night. I also, before I go to bed, I try to to read quite a bit because I think reading and focusing on a book, particularly a good book, just settles me, you know, settles my mind. Um, mm-hmm. So I think between a sangria and hanging with my family, of course, you know, and reading, I, th- I think that's what sort of settles me each night. Has there ever been a moment for you where you just you you've thought you know what I've had enough of this. I'm again managing the book club. That was the moment for me that I was like, you know what? On the individual level, I'll do this. Like I'll talk to folks if they want to talk, but I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm just not equipped for this. How do like normal, average, everyday Black folks who want to get involved in the work of anti-racism? How do we solve for those feelings of exhaustion? We may need to take breaks, and that's okay. People should listen to their to their bodies and to their feelings. And, you know, knowing that three months from then or a year from then or in a different type of way that 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 baton, you know, is going to be picked up. It can be burdensome when we feel it is it is on us. I would say to black people that I don't expect anyone else to free us, that we freed ourselves during the Civil War and we're going to have to free ourselves, you know, from racism, too. But on the other hand, I do not think it is all on us. You know, I I think it's important for Asian Americans who are facing anti-Asian racism to to ally with with Black folks facing anti-Black racism. It's it's important for white Americans who 
who are facing the collateral damage from racism to to realize, like, you know what, this this country is <laughs> democracy itself, even for people like me, is being threatened. So we need to sort of ally and, and come together to fight uh, for you know our democracy. I expect and hope that other groups would do this, and other groups are doing this. I know there's a lot of listeners that are listening right now that probably want to be involved in the work. You know, um, we could point them in the direction of the podcast, Be Anti-Racist. We could point them in the direction of the books, of course, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Um, and there's a bunch of other, especially I like to call them Race 101 books <laughs> that listeners can read. And we can, you know, we can link to those. But what what do you think, like, what's an everyday action that a listener can take in order to get involved with either work of anti-racism work or even trying to recharge themselves to be ready for more anti-racism? Work. I think we should all think about our own backyard, our own organizations, and identify the people or even the organizations that are fighting for racial justice or fighting for racial equity. And then to think about, you know, in what small or large way can I support these people? Can I support this organization to give ourselves you know, in that way. And and I think if we're all doing that, then we're going to have people in every backyard, in every institution who are trying to create, you know, an equitable and just world. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Kendi. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Dr. Ibram X. Kendi is the Andrew W. Mellon Professor in the Humanities at Boston University and the founding director of the BU Center for Anti-Racist Research. He's a contributing writer at The Atlantic and a CBS News correspondent. He is the author of many books, including Stamped from the Beginning, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America, which won the National Book Award for Nonfiction, And he's written four number one New York Times bestsellers, including How to Be an Anti-Racist. Be sure to check out our show notes to find a great list of resources where you can continue to learn about anti-racism and help others to become anti-racist too. And his podcast, Be Anti-Racist, has a terrific collection of listener guides, which include discussion questions for listeners who are ready to get into the work with friends and family. This stuff is not easy, y'all. Even with Dr. Kendi's great advice, sometimes we might need a little more direct support to get through the hard spots and curveballs the world throws. Next week, I'm talking with Dr. Joy Harden Bradford about therapy stigma for Black folks and how to transcend it in order to get the help you need. I hope you'll join us. Solvable senior producer is Jocelyn Frank. Research by David Ja. Booking by Lisa Dunn. Our managing producer is Sasha Mathias, and our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. Special thanks to Tammy Wynn, Heather Fain, Carly Migliori, Eric Sandler, Maggie Taylor, and Nicole Morano. Solvable is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review. It helps us find our way to the ears of new listeners. You can find Pushkin Podcasts wherever you listen including on the iHeartRadio app and Apple Podcasts. I'm Ronald Young Jr. Thanks for listening. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators 
whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you, and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry, and me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventionalawards. See you there. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in? The concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces. The chance to connect with nature. Maybe chase some elk. Fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins.